You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome into another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined as always by the dynamic duo, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Hello, gentlemen. Jonathan, how are you? I'm fine and dandy. Having almost fall-like weather here in uh, in Pittsburgh. All right. I will be in Pittsburgh in a couple weeks, so I'm looking forward to said weather. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing well. I have big news. It's not 100% official, but we, we may be adding a third golden retriever to the household again. So... Oh, my goodness. We may be picking up a puppy on Saturday. That so. is crazy. It's breaking news. It's just, it's, it's all happened this morning. So that is John Heyman will confirm it, but only if somebody else gives Heyman credit, you know, like HT John Heyman. Wow. Okay. Wow. Rosenthal getting, getting scooped on the golden retriever stuff. All right. Well, breaking news from Jim. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that scoop to start the show. Um, but we've got, this is an exciting show. We have a, a special guest. Uh, I talked to Ray's pitching prospect, Shane Boz uh, earlier, and uh, you will hear that interview at the end of the show. He will be the youngest pitcher uh, in the Arizona Fall League, at least as the rosters stand right now. So you'll hear about Shane's uh, season in the Midwest League and how excited he is to be pitching in the AFL. But before we get to Shane, uh, we've got some some big yearly awards to hand out as the minor league season concluded. I guess there's some postseason still going on. But you fine, fine gentlemen of MLB Pipeline have conjoined to decide who are the MLB Pipeline hitter and pitcher of the year, uh, which you can see on MLBPipeline.com. Uh, I guess, Jonathan, we'll start with you. Let's talk about our MLB hitter of the year, Luis Robert. How hard of a decision was this to give the White Sox outfielder the nod? It, it wasn't that hard, uh, only because there was really only one other legitimate candidate that we considered, and that was Gavin Lux. Now, it was a little difficult between the two of them. I think an argument could be made for either one. You know, this wasn't like last year. I wrote this story also. And, and while there were a number of good performances, it was obvious that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the hitter of the year. Um, this one, you know, we, we went back and forth a, a little bit. Uh, Lux had a really good year. Obviously, he's up in the, in the big leagues now. But what Luis Robert did this year is just absolutely ridiculous. And he did it across three levels power speed you know he showed all five tools kind of showed what all the fuss was about you know the 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 white Sox went all in and paid him a ridiculous amount of money and then had to pay a matching penalty so he in effect cost like 52 million dollars to sign him and then it you know, he looked like he was you know going to live up to expectation then he but he got hurt in his first year in the states and last year never was really himself until the fall league, once he got there, he showed the glimpses of the tools, talking to, to Charles Poe, who was his hitting coach in Birmingham this year and Winston-Salem last year, and in the fall league last year. He was the kind of guy that in the fall league, guys were on the top step every at-bat because they wanted to see what he was going to do. And then this year, he just hit the ground running at 450 in a handful of games back in Winston-Salem, raked some more in AA, made his way to AAA, maybe the only thing disappointing for him is that he didn't get called up to the big leagues, but I think the White Sox, you know, sort of with Eloy, they wanted to probably wait on the service time, but also, you know, let him wrap up this year on a, on a high note. He had a great year. There are some things he needs to work on, which is kind of crazy. Uh, his strikeout walk ratio could use a little, a little plate discipline refinement, 
and then he'll be good to go. But uh, across the board, he, he just did everything really, really well this year. And Jim, I'm really fascinated by by Luis Robert. I remember when he was kind of coming out and was going to sign with the White Sox. And Jesse Sanchez had this great article uh, comparing him. He was trained by the same guy that trained Yoannis Cespedes. He said he's a better player than him. He had this quote from an American League scouting director, international scouting director, calling him the best player on the planet, which was really that certainly catches your eye. And two years later, maybe that's still a little a little heavy. Um, but he's certainly looking like one of the best players in minor league baseball and, and maybe a future major league star. Has he exceeded your expectations, Jim, or is this kind of he should be doing based on hype? Well, I mean, the White Sox did invest $52 million in him. So they, they were, you know, thinking they were going to get a superstar. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say exceeded expectations as showing what the fuss is all about because, you know, he, he was just hurt so much. Didn't hit a homer in 2018. We didn't get a chance to see him really do much. Um, you know, even at the beginning of the fall league season, he got hurt again. Although, you know, as you guys were talking about in the first half of the fall league, the best player in the fall league was clearly Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Living up to all the expectations. He was hitting over 400. And then it kind of seemed like Vlad just kind of got either tired and or bored and kind of tailed off a little bit toward the end of the season. And then the second half of the season, Luis Robert, once he was fully healthy, was the best player in the league, the most exciting player in the league. And at that point, it was kind of like, oh, you know, wonder what this guy could do next year if he stays healthy. And, and, he, and he's shown that. Um, you know, he's the youngest 30-30 player since 1999. I still think, you know, he needs to, you know, refine a couple things in center. But, I mean, that's not unusual for a guy who just turned 22 years old. I mean, if, you, if you're nitpicking at him a little bit, I mean, his straight-out-to-walk ratio was 129 to 28. And it was 5-1 to one in AAA. And that's a little bit concerning, not not so much for the long term. I mean, I think he'll be able to address that. But for the short term, I mean, living here in Chicago, I wouldn't say fans are unhappy with Eloy, but he's had a weird year where he just has never really got on a roll. He got on a roll briefly and then, and then he got an outfield collision and he's been up and down and, and he's and he's looked terrible defensively. And, and so there's kind of this. You know, hey, you know, we know this guy's supposed to be really, really good. Like, what's going on here? And, and forgetting about how young he is. But I, but I could see, unless he tightens up the strike zone, that Luis Robert might, you know, have a little bit of a rough appl- acclimation to the big leagues next year. But, but you know, I, I think he's certainly shown, you know, at the end of the AFL season last year and, and throughout this year, exactly what the White Sox thought they were getting when they spent $52 million on it. Yeah, one of the things I love doing when I do this story is, you know, talking to minor league coaches or hitting, you know, in this case, it's hitting coach because Charles Poe, who's been doing this a long time, was was great about him. One, he said that he thought that he and Eloy Jimenez are the two best players he's ever seen, you know, in his in his career. Uh, But he, he had an ongoing conversation with Robert about expanding the zone because it started out, you know, in the Carolina League very quickly pitcher stopped throwing him any strikes. And so he started expanding the zone. And the problem is that he has such incredible bat to ball skills in a lot of ways that he was hitting everything. So when he got to double a, he still hit, but he would get himself out on occasion. And Poe would have this ongoing conversation with him about it. Sort of saying like that pitch was around your neck. Uh, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be swinging at that. And Robert's like, well, but I could hit that pitch. But he, I think he's starting to learn that, He's not always going to be able to hit that pitch. And once he gets to the big leagues, big league pitchers are going to be even better at setting him up and getting him to chase pitches out of the zone that he can't barrel up. And that's, that started happening with, you know, with each level, he, he moved up a little bit. So 
he is aware that he needs to work on it. So I don't know that he's ever going to suddenly become a, a walk machine who never strikes out. But I think he will improve. Uh, he will improve on that as he continues his, his way up to Chicago. Now, you mentioned, Jonathan, that it was pretty clearly Lux or Robert uh, when you're having this conversation. So before we move on to pitcher of the year, is there was there anyone else even remotely close to the conversation? The honorable mentions of sorts. I agree. I think it's clearly between these two. But are there any other uh, statistical big performers that you thought you know deserved a maybe, maybe an average year where you don't have a guy going thirty thirty and, and a, you know a shortstop hitting four hundred in AAA uh, would be would be closer to uh, you, you want to shout out some other names? Yeah, I mean, I know we're going to go over some of the twenty twenty guys, but I mean, Kyle with another had a thirty thirty year. It's his third consecutive twenty twenty season. Um, I know it's in AAA and AAA numbers are inflated, but I think that deserves a, a little bit of a shout out and. And maybe Jared Kelnick, fellow Wisconsinite, Wisconsin, Wisconsinian. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think we asked them this question at the Futures game, and I don't remember what they said. Yeah. Um, he's from Wisconsin, like Gavin Lux is what I'm trying to get at. So he, another one of those 2020 guys, and ended up in double A as a high schooler out of Wisconsin uh, and hit, you know, slugged 540, 23 homers, 20 steals. You know, A advance then double A over the course of his first full season, making that uh, Robinson Cano look really, really good for the Mariners. Yeah, Jim, did you have any other any any of those? I mean, we're going to get to these twenty twenty guys in a bit. It, it was clearly Robert versus Lux. I mean, there were other guys who had good seasons, including like fifty guys in Triple A. But I mean, it was it was a short conversation. I mean, in most years, those, those years would stand out. I mean, we we talked about Lux. The last middle infielder, as young as Gavin Lux, to have a thousand ops in the upper minors was Greg Jeffries back in 1987. So, I mean, both these guys had seasons that are very uncommon that that really hadn't happened in this millennium uh, to this point. So, I mean, I I think they were clearly the, the top two guys at the head of the class. Right. So they made it. They made it pretty, pretty easy for you. So let's move to the, the pitcher of the year. And uh, Jim, a very fitting, of course, that I, I start with you here because it is, in fact, the greatest pitcher who ever lived. Mackenzie Gore, uh, the MLB Pipeline minor league pitcher of the year. Now, was this an easy call? You know, it's, it's hard. There are guys that get called up to the big leagues. There are guys that get hurt. Pitchers may be a little bit more volatile. Uh, Gore had an excellent, excellent, excellent season, of course. Um, but again, as, as someone who's been as high on him as, as anybody since his, uh, his, his high school days, uh, is this, this par for the course for you? Or were you not happy to see that Gore kind of put it all together uh, in a full season in the Padres organization? Well, I think you could draw some parallels to Luis Robert, where he didn't miss as much time last year, but he had blister problems pretty much bother him throughout the year in 2018. I mean, he was on the disabled list two or three times, and even when he was pitching, it was bothering him. So I don't think we, you know, he, he was, he did fine, especially for, you know, a 19-year-old in, in low class A in his first full pro season, but it wasn't dominant. And this year, you know, with the exception of, of really kind of one start when he first got the double A, he, he was dominant pretty much the other 19 times. You know, the pitchers, I think, are tougher because you run into innings limits and guys, you know, maybe getting shut down for precautionary reasons, or if there's a slight twinge, you know, a guy takes a couple weeks off. So unlike, you know, with like Luis Robert and Gavin Lux, who pretty much played every day, you know, Gore did only have hundred innings. There were guys who had higher counting stats, but I, I think when you factor in, you know, he was pitching in the Cal league too, and had a 1.02 ERA there. Uh, you know, which is a very hitter-friendly league. I, I wouldn't say he was 
as easy. I think you can make arguments for, you know, Joe Ryan of the Rays who had a crazy season. There are guys who had better rate stats, um, like Christian Javier of the Astros, who had kind of a crazy year as a tandem starter in the Astros system. But, I mean, I, I know personally, I, I don't know if Jonathan approaches it the same way I do. When, when, when we're picking an MLB pipeline hitter and, and pitcher of the year, I, I do th- – when you're talking an overall award, not necessarily just, you know, the prospect team of the week where it's, it's, it's sheer performance – I do factor prospecting goodness into this. So I think if you look at performance and prospecting goodness, I mean, I think Mackenzie Gore with the way the Casey Myers finished the year, it had some minor physical issues again. I mean, Casey Myers is the best, the best pitching prospect to baseball in my mind right now. Prospecting goodness. Yes. It's very technical term. It's hard to quantify exactly, but it, it does figure into it and age for level and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I originally, uh, looking at Joe Ryan's numbers kind of thought maybe he should be the guy, uh, granted he's 23, uh, but, and he started the year in low a, it's just, you know, his ERA was under two, 173 batting average against 183 strikeouts and 20, only 27 walks kind of insane, uh, across the board, uh, you know, and he was the one guy I was looking at. Uh, if you want to give some sort of honorable mentions, a guy that I sort of came across was Logan Gilbert in terms of how good a year he had. He, he pitched across three levels and had an ERA of, you know, 2.13, batting average against under 200, uh, a whip under one. You know, he did all all the good things. So Gore, uh, Gore gets the award and uh, as, as obviously – I mean, probably will be his his last chance to win it. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens next year. But I, I think we will probably see uh, Mr. Gore in the big league with the Padres next year uh, at some point. But uh, so, congratulations to Gore and Robert. Um, we have another, uh, uh, not really, I guess, awards. This is more of a, a statistical achievement that I want to talk about before we get to our our, our Shaz interview. Uh, is that uh, the guys that went 2020 this year, Jonathan, you mentioned it, uh, of course, Robert going 30-30, which is, is you know, above and beyond. Um, but uh, we have an article on MLB Pipeline right now about the 10 guys who went 2020 this season. As a motorcycle goes by my apartment, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> oh, you were doing a little Peter Frampton there and like uh, speaking into like a long tube to distort your voice. So you're adding some special effects. Jim, you think I get that reference? I'm old. I'm old. Jim, you think I get that reference? Come on, man. Let's let's don't give me so much credit. Uh, so, Mike, our friend Mike Rosenbaum wrote about the ten players who went 2020 in the minor leagues this season. List them off quickly: Will Benson with the Indians, Dylan Carlson with the Cardinals, former podcast guest Jonathan Casey with the Dodgers, Jeter Downs with the Dodgers, Sam Hilliard with the Rockies, Jared Kelnick with the Mariners, Brian O'Grady with the Reds, Luis Robert as we mentioned with the White Sox, Josh Rojas who was traded to the D-backs from the Astros, and Kyle Tucker with the Astros as well. So really what I want to ask you guys is, you mentioned it a few, you don't have to touch on Robert anymore, you mentioned Tucker. Um, which of these guys, uh, maybe not necessarily the most surprising, um, but but that you are, are most interested in as as a prospect, uh, maybe because of this this power speed combination. I'm actually gonna gonna start with one here, and I'll I'll, I'll throw this to you guys. Jeter Downs is one that stood out to me, who really broke on the scene. The Dodgers acquired him in that big Puig blockbuster. So Jonathan, I'll start with you. I mean, is this was this something that we ever could have uh, seen coming in, in the, the Jeter Downs offense profile, or is this a, a breakout source? 
I mean, it's definitely a breakout. Um, he showed the potential last year, but I also talked to Downs and was was very impressed with him. And I, I think he he had that potential. Uh, whether he was going to do it this year and and make it to Double A, you know, I didn't I didn't know, especially when he had to you know, switch organizations and, and 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 all that kind of stuff, and that can have have an impact, but. It's not a huge surprise for me that uh, that he was able to do it. He he's an exciting player, and you know one of my favorite guys who's not you know not on the on the uh, on the top one hundred currently. Uh, you know I think he'll get there at some point. Um, you know uh, if we need any replacements for this final month of the season or even you know going into next year, I think he's a guy that, that can make it. One thing I did want to mention that was cool in Mike's story, Robert and Tucker both going 30-30. It's the first time since 1981 that that happened, which is amazing to me that it's been that long uh, since two players in the minors went went 30 Right. And that, that I think speaks to, you know, the, the quality, the why it was pretty obvious between, uh, you know, Lux and, and a guy like Robert is that these were, these were truly historical seasons um, from these guys. Uh, Jim, are there any, any 2020 guys that stand out to you? It's, it's, it's obviously, you know, a bit hit or miss some guys that have turned all stars, some guys that have kind of flamed out, um, but any name you wanted, you were especially interested in? Um, you know, I guess the guy who, who maybe impressed me the most besides, you know, Luis Robert and, and Kyle Tucker doing it for the, the third straight season is Jared Kelnick, just because it's his first full pro season. You know, he got up to double A. I mean, look, we all knew Jared Kelnick was good and, and we expected that he'd be good. I wasn't necessarily thinking 2020 right off the bat. You know, and it's funny because you look at this list and not to downplay the achievement because it's impressive achievement, but it's crazy how many guys in this list played a good portion of the year in AAA or a good portion of the year in the Cal League. And that's not an accident. And now Kelnick played, you know, 40 games in, or 45 games in the Cal League, but he, he was in the Sally League, which isn't really a hitter's league. And then he was in the Texas League. So it wasn't like he benefited from the, these great offensive environments. And, and for a guy who was 19, you know, for much of the season to, you know, hit 23 homers, steal 20 bases. I mean, I think – Two, like, if you were going to say the most impressive tool about Jared Kelnick, it would probably be his hitting ability. And you knew he had some power and you knew he had some speed, but you weren't necessarily thinking this was a guy who was going to come out and show it right away or, or be a 2020 guy. Um, and I think we're all realizing Jared Kelnick may be even better than we thought, which is pretty impressive for a guy who was the sixth overall pick in the draft. Right. And uh, I think I mentioned this on a podcast recently, but I really couldn't find basically any high school first rounder to reached double a in their first full season um besides him and, and joe adele so um i it's he's clearly clearly uh like you said i mean not that people didn't think he was good but he's clearly uh really gone but above and beyond and, and will probably be in the big leagues sooner rather than later uh, all right guys i think that's all we got for this week uh thank you so much for joining me and talking about some of the the best performances uh, of the minor league season jim uh congratulations i guess on maybe you know getting Golden Retriever number three. That's we'll 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 have to confirm those reports uh, when we can. Yeah, we could talk about it next week. So, all right, we will we will talk about it this week and enjoy this interview with Tampa Bay Rays pitching prospect and Arizona Fall League invitee uh, Shane Boz. We'll talk to you guys next week after like a seven o'clock night game. So we're showing up the next day at like we're getting to the hotel at like nine ten a.m. and. Uh, Having to play that day is pretty tough. Have you had to start any of those games after like a crazy long overnight bus ride? 
Yes. I had like a little stint where I think I had like three of them in a row. I mean, you just, you got to do everything you can to get your legs under you. I mean, they're stiff as a board when you get off the bus. So you got to kind of stretch and, you know, pray. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, yeah, just do everything you can to get ready. It's tough, but I mean, a lot of guys do it and dominate. So that's There's true. No, and not really any excuses to be made. <laughs> well, you've had a lot of success this year, obviously. Uh, it hasn't hasn't stopped you too much uh, from having success. The other thing I'm, I'm curious about is you kind of got a late start. You didn't have your first start until May. I don't know if you were with the team before that. Did you have any really freezing cold starts or was it already warm by the time you were pitching with the hot rods? It was pretty warm. I spent about like three plus weeks and extended okay. just they you know, I was kind of on like an innings limit just because I didn't throw that many innings last year and they didn't want to overwork me. Yeah, it wasn't that cold when I got here. I threw a game. It was like 40s and 50s. And that was kind of weird. But I threw well. So but yeah, it was I got I luckily missed a ton of the like freezing cold weather, like games in the 20s and 30s. Right, right. The the April Midwesterly games are are legendary uh, yeah. uh, minor league experience. It sounds like, but but fortunate for you, you you got to avoid it. Um, I guess maybe you'll 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 probably get the other side of things. What what's the what's the hottest game you pitched in this year or in your career? Did you have any high school games in Texas where it was you know well over a hundred? Oh yeah, definitely had a bunch of games. It was like a hundred all summer in Texas. So I definitely had a bunch of those growing up, but. I did have a game at home this year. It was like a two o'clock game and it was like 95 and humidity was like 60, 70%. And I mean, I was drenched before I even like started warming up. <laughs> yeah. Like I wish we had the resources for two different jerseys because I definitely would have used them both. Right. Well, then after the first, you wouldn't need five innings for, for five different jerseys for, for, exactly, <laughs> for basically <yeah>. every <laughs> inning. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the camaraderie and getting to know uh, a lot of your players, uh, a lot of your teammates. Um, I have to ask about playing with the number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco, for yeah. at least a couple months uh, before he got promoted to high A. Um, so obviously, you know, you're a teammate of his um, and, mm-hmm. and, and a pitcher who fortunately did not have to face him. But what is what is watching <laughs> Wander Franco on a daily basis like? You're very thankful that he's on your team. Um <laughs> But yeah, when I got traded last year, I actually was with him for like the last two weeks of the season in um, the Appy League. Okay. Yeah, that's where I met him. And uh, we've had a great relationship. I mean, we talked like, you know, on and off in the off season and spring training, gave him a big hug and, mm-hmm. you know, hung out with him. But uh, seeing him really get to do his thing here when I got here is just, it's so impressive. He's just... Uh, I don't. I don't even know how to explain. It. I think he went like two weeks without swinging and missing at a pitch or something like that. Unbelievable. Right. Would you say that's the most like impressive part of Wander Franco? There's a lot to choose from. He's a shortstop. He's yeah. a switch hitter. He's got he's power. He's a great shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that just his his hit tool of just like he just doesn't swing and miss. Like right. his barrel control is just unbelievable. That is the craziest thing that I think it was. I mean, he's a great shortstop. Has a great arm plus runner, you know, will absolutely lay into a ball and send it 430 feet. Right. But I'd say just like, let's say a pitcher has a perfect at bat, hits two corners in a row, and he's just unfazed. And 
he'll he'll battle and foul off pitches until he gets the one he wants and then he smokes it. Yeah. It's just it's just crazy to watch. And also obviously probably for you a little weird as one of the younger players in the league and we're going to get to this when we talk yeah. about the Arizona Fall League. He's he's of course like a, almost a full year younger than you. More than a yeah. full year younger than you, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's got to be pretty special. So, obviously, Wanda Franco is the gold standard. You kind of get spoiled in that regard. Um, oh, but who are, spoiled rotten. Yeah, it's very, very, very spoiled. But who are some of the other uh, best hitters that you got to face, uh, or other pitchers you saw in the league this season? I'd say best hitters I've faced. Griffin Conine is right up there. Hagen Danner is a great hitter. Both of those guys are with Toronto. Let's see. Michael Ciani is a tough out i've known michael a long time so it's fun to get to face him but he's a great hitter brian ray on the dragons i don't think he's like a big time prospect or anything but god he puts together good at bat every game that we'll see sometimes those are more interesting is like the answer exactly like oh wait he's kind of a scrappy hitter yeah he's kind of a scrappy hitter he's gonna barrel a ball almost every at bat those have probably been some of the best hitters i'd say conine and danner are Guys that you don't, you know, you got to have your A game or they're yeah. going to send a ball to the moon. Yeah, don't mess up. Yeah, Conine, yeah. especially at the start of the season, yeah. was hitting like 450 for, mm-hmm. for a couple months. So so yeah. that that seems less fun, I would say, uh, yeah. to, deal with, to deal with guys like that. But uh, you mentioned, you know, of course, the Midwest League, a great competition. But the real reason talking to you today is because it was recently announced that you will be going to the Arizona Fall League, which of course, yeah. as, as a prospect fan, as any you know fan of, of minor league baseball or prospects, people are very excited about the Arizona Fall League. I know you're yeah. excited about the Arizona Fall League. And the reason is now you're basically only going to be facing prospects. So, I mean, you know, was this something that was on your radar? Were you, were you hoping you would get this opportunity? Uh, how did you, when did you find out that you were going to the Fall League? Yeah, this is something that I've, I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks. So, I mean, I really wanted to go. I know guys that have gone and said that it was, you know, it showed them a lot of stuff. So I really wanted to go. I found out, oh, when was this? I probably found out like a week ago. Our, like, one of our coordinators was in town and told me. So, I mean, I was pumped right away. Yeah, so I found out about a week ago and I was, yeah, I was wanting to go. So, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. You mentioned that, you, you know, Rays kind of have you on a bit of a, an innings limit this year. Do you expect to start any games in Arizona, or do you think you'll be coming out of the bullpen? Uh, I was told that I might get a couple of starts, but I'll probably be throwing out of the bullpen mostly just because there's guys that really need innings that, you know, you obviously don't want to take it away from guys that, you know, have dealt with injuries and stuff that really need the innings. So I'm totally cool with coming out of the bullpen for the Arizona Fall League, but it'll be a little a little weird, but... Right. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. But also maybe fun to, you know, kinda kinda 100%. let it loose. Let it oh, loose yeah. a little bit. I'll definitely I'll definitely be a little, you know, more amped up. <laughs> see see if that works. <laughs> right, right. And also, have you ever played baseball in Arizona? Never. Not one time. Have you been to Arizona in your life? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is Not gonna be one second. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. So this is going to be a totally new experience. Of course, right, growing up in Texas yeah. and then being on two teams with organizations, uh, spring training in Florida. So, OK, so mm-hmm. this will be totally new ground, new ground yeah. for you. Uh, now, I don't yeah. know if you know this. Now, the rosters are still kind of, you know, finalizing and stuff could change last minute. But as right. of right now, this moment of this interview, you are currently going to be the youngest pitcher in the entire league. 
Um, is that something that I know you have a lot of other friends and we can I'll ask you about that in a second uh, that are going to yeah. be in the league, but is that just something you've been used to, uh, even in the Midwest League being one of the youngest pitchers? Or are you excited I to actually not, ex- exclusively I not face older competition? Yeah, yeah, you're, you, uh, yeah you, I did not know that. You beat out uh, Red Sox uh, prospect Brian Mata by like a month. So, oh, nice. So, league so leader in age. <laughs> league um, leader in age, right, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I have been kind of used to that, you know, just being really young for my class and stuff, always being the youngest one. I think I've been the youngest guy on the team like the past two years right. besides this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just something that I like to use because – I, my favorite compliment is like, dude, I, for, I, I forget that you're 20 years old like, <laughs> because yeah. like I take a lot of pride in just carrying myself like a pro and, you know, checking all the boxes as far as like how I interact with my teammates and, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I would love to perform really well in that league just to mm-hmm. get the damn, this kid's only 20. Right, kind of right. Like, so, yeah, I've been kind of used to that and. I think I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And do yeah. you, but you mentioned that you do have some friends in the league. Who are some guys uh, that you, you know, some guys from your draft class? Uh, yeah. Who are, who are the guys uh, maybe also in the Rays organization or in other organizations that you're looking forward to playing with or against? Oh, um, as far as the Rays organization, I'm not really too familiar with a lot of the guys. Um, kind of acquaintances. I got to play with Taylor Walls a little bit in Instructs last year, and he's a freak shortstop, so I'm pumped for that. But yeah, like one of my best buddies, Forrest Whitley, he's going to be going there. Um, Jared Kalanick, he'll be on a different team. But I mean, I've, he, we played on Team USA together. Like we, we go way back. Um, and then same thing with like Joe Adele and Royce Lewis and Royce is on my team. Thank God. Um, but <laughs> yes. yeah, there's, those are probably like the guys I know the most, but I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll know a few more guys. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's, it's definitely a different look, but it's, it basically just feels like a mini futures game uh, every mm-hmm. time out enough, enough baseball chat. I want to finish with something uh, beyond baseball. So you've had a long season. <laughs> right. Obviously you've, you've been in the Midwest league. You've, you're going to go to the AFL. You're going to have an even longer season than the average minor leaguer, but when the season's over and Shane Boz is going, I assume back to Texas to mm-hmm. hang out. What what's what what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing when you're when you're not playing baseball? First thing I'm doing is going to Whataburger. Oh my that's, great answer! Oh, oh great yeah. answer! Yeah, I mean that's just I'm wearing a Whataburger t-shirt right now. Um, like I'm a huge true, fan. True Texas boy. Yeah, um, but I mean I spend a lot of my time with music. My mom's a musician. So, I mean, I got to get my guitar restrung right now. So that'll definitely be up on the list. Yeah, I don't know. Probably just a lot of relaxing. But, yeah, music and going to see my friends will probably be, like, you know, the top two. Uh, well, that is that is a good answer. And uh, I will end with this, which is very exciting news. I guess maybe you didn't know is that there is Whataburger in Phoenix, my friend. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> so... I can't wait. I had to look that up the other day. And I was just, I was jumping up and down. So there you go. So you won't even have to wait un- uh, until you're home back in Texas uh, to have, uh, I mean, what, the patty melt? I mean, there's a lot. Patty melt. We got the honey barbecue chicken strip sandwich. We got the honey butter chicken biscuits. What well, goes on and on? There's no, there's no wrong answer. I've, un- I've, <laughs> only, I've only been there a couple times, so yeah. you know, I, I haven't gotten to fully explore the menu. Um, but wow. Yeah. That is that is legit. Uh, all right. Well, Shane, thank you so much for joining yeah, me, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you 
uh, in the fall league if I if I can make it down there. But either way, uh, good luck the rest of the Midwest League postseason, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Appreciate it, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.